Welcome to Real Estate Coaching Radio, starring award-winning real estate coaches and number one international best-selling authors, Tim and Julie Harris. This is the number one daily radio show for realtors looking for a no BS, authentic, real-time coaching experience. What's really working in today's market, how to generate more leads, make more money, and have more time for what you love in your life. And now your hosts, Tim and Julie Harris. I'll never forget the first time I had a coaching call with a new coaching client. And this was back, oh, 15, maybe 20 years ago. Yikes. Yep. And I'll never, it was a lady and, mm-hmm. and I, and it was, and I was learning my craft. I had not done my work yet. I was not somebody who was the best coach that I could be. I was on my way to learning how to be right. Mm-hmm. I was putting in my time, um, learning while doing all the rest of it. I remember this agent, this gal, uh, hired us to be her, her coach and we were helping her and you and I take that incredibly seriously. We always mm-hmm. have. And she was burned out basically is how she expressed herself in saying that she just didn't think real estate was her passion. Mm-hmm. And I remember at the time that was, or still is, but not as much as it was then that that was the sort of the perpetual story that self-improvement gurus and all these, you know, follow your passion. Exactly. Follow your passion. The The money money will fall. Exactly. Right. Mm -hmm. Sort of this crazy notion that somehow everything you want is on the other side of you being happy. And you know, you're going to the more happy and more passion filled your life is the more the stars aligned and all this mystical woo woo stuff that I know some of you, hell guys, Julie and I find that attractive. But the unfortunate truth is, is that if you want ever increasing levels of success in your business and personal life, you have to do what you don't want to do when you don't want to do it at the highest level. It's just most of us have become so spoiled in our lives and most of us have benefited from this incredible seller's market and a lot of the other things that have happened in our economy that we don't realize that that's true. That if you want ever increasing levels of success in your business and personal life, you have to do what you don't want to do when you don't want to do it at the highest level. So this gal was essentially saying, I don't want to sell real estate anymore. I'm not passionate about it. And this was about the same time that The Secret was out. I knew you were going to say that. Yep. And the, the book before the movie. Oh, and, yes. and they were talking about, you know, the, the whole, the universe will align. The stars will somehow, you know, all give you everything. All you have you to do is think about it. And all you have, right. And follow your passion. And obviously your energy flows wherever, all this stuff. And again, trust me when I tell you, Julie and I like that stuff too, but we also know it's not, it's the very, it's the antithesis of practical. <laughs> it's, yes. it's a, it's but oh, so easy to sell everyone on. Exactly. That's the thing. <laughs> it's, it's mystical. If Julie and I were to only talk about the law of attraction, all this other stuff, our business would be a thousand times larger, right? I remember Be- we had to change some of our coaching to recognize the fact that everybody was in that vortex mm-hmm. to take inspired action, which I still believe, you know, is an important message. But it's the action part that was missing. Let me tell you this. Yes. I, so I did on a plane, with, you know, when we were traveling someplace, watch the latest secret movie that came out. Uh-huh. And I thought it was very good, to be honest mm-hmm. with you. And yeah. But the thing that they did that they didn't do in the first one mm-hmm. or they didn't do in the book, it was all about action. Really? That's so interesting. So the, the main character who was the purveyor of the, you know, the secret, basically. I don't remember his name. He was a great actor. It was a great movie. You guys should mm-hmm. see it. Maybe it was the altitude and the fact that I had a glass of Chardonnay that made it good. Could I mean, be. it could be. I mean, there's a lot of horrible <laughs> movies I've watched. That all of a sudden are good when you're on a plane, right? 
Um, but yeah, so I liked it because the main character was all about action mm-hmm. through the whole entire thing. He was not sitting around waiting for anything to happen. He was doing it. Yes. Uh, the whole movie was about action. And that's what the first one wasn't. So you are bringing True. up some history there that some people appreciate. Because sure. that's where a lot of people got lost. That's right. Is, is that they don't realize that it's not about, guys, look, your passion, it's wonderful to have passion. It's wonderful to feel that amazing emotion. Let's get back to your right passion but the reality of it is is the passion is a fleeting emotion it's not there all the time it's not there when you have to do the real work well it's unsustainable it'd be exhausting to feel passion all the time and so she wasn't feeling passion for what she was doing anymore so as a result of that she didn't want to do it anymore and as a result of that then she started to fail now you could say, well, that's a law of attraction working against her because she's thinking all these negative thoughts and she's attracting to her failure. And I would actually conceptually yeah. agree with you. But the bottom line was, is where she really failed was believing that she had to feel passion to be successful for something. So what would mm-hmm. you say to that being a <laughs> former professional musician who definitely started out being a musician because of your passion for, mu- yeah. for music? Well, and it wasn't until later when I was, you know, I was always kind of like a professional amateur type. And, and I eventually ran into professional professionals who occasionally were kind of bitter about the whole thing. I remember. And I was really, honestly, I was kind of surprised about it because I had spent all this time thinking about it, pursue my passion. Why doesn't my passion pay more? And well, they were where that. you thought you wanted to be. Yeah. And they're like, you know what? It kind of sucks. Yeah. <laughs> to, we did. To have to do what we used to love to do. Right. And it, it can be a very twisted thing. And well, explain I, that though, because a lot well, of people won't understand that. Sure. So... I, you know, I feel like I was really blessed to do music because I wanted to. And in addition to, they were doing it as their job. Why didn't you tell him actually who said this to you? Because he deserves credit. Randy Hester. Well, he did originally, but it didn't quite take because I was in my 20s. It wasn't until I was in my 30s. And I heard it from people who were, you know, playing at these big name orchestras and stuff like that. But Randy Hester was first chair at Columbus Symphony Orchestra, right? Yeah. And used to take private flute lessons from him. And he's the one that told you that. And it's interesting yeah. what she just said. Were you guys listening? So Julie said when she was in her 20s, and I do remember I her. I do remember when she was in her 20s because we were married, right? And yeah. she didn't want to hear it. And her head was all full of this. I have to follow my passion. It's my calling. It, it was a lot of ego. And how can I be passionate about real estate? I mean, I went through that. And I remember, uh, you will recall, and I also wrote about it in Harris Rules. I think maybe it's in the treasure map as well, uh, about going to a Howard Brinton event where, and this will make everybody crack up, right? Just the thought of this still makes me laugh. We were at a real estate agent event and we had a talent show, right? And it, <laughs> it, it wasn't going to be about real estate. It was like, what are your other talents? And, and as everyone else was, we all kind of went kind of skeptically there. And there were some amazing, amazing uh, performers and, and just different talent. I know one of them uh, was like a stand-up comedian that was hilarious and then another one got up and he sang and played the guitar and it was just so moving and beautiful. And I had no idea that that was like his other life. And that was the moment where I said, okay, you can have that passion, but in real estate, your passion should be about your profitability, allowing you to do the things that you are feeling truly passionate about. And that when you are passionate about getting other people their dreams, then all of your dreams open up to you. Well, exactly. But, so th- but that was a major moment for me. The point of being really good at real estate is to uh, feed your passions outside of real estate. Yeah, and it's a lot more fun, by the way. Hell yeah, it because is. Because when your passions have to feed you, you start to not like them as much. Do you remember who else told us that? 
I don't remember. Jack Roselli. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, he said it a different way. He said, don't try to make your hab- hobby your profession. That's right. Yeah. And but that's really fascinating, guys. And that's something that's the complete opposite. I know. If you go to the bookstore, <laughs> go to the oh bookstore goodness. if you can find one that's open. Go to Barnes & Noble and go find our book. It's in the real estate section. Sometimes they mix it up with the mindset section, which is hilarious it's in itself. the self-help section. Exactly, yeah. right? And, and you're going to see, look at all the self-help books that are standing there. Look how many are trying to sell you on the idea that you're not successful because you aren't following your passion. your passion. And so here's what happens and here's what happened to that gal. Um, she indeed did get out of real estate and she did decide to pursue her passion. I don't even remember what it was, something artistic. And guess what happened? She got back into real estate because she couldn't make her hobby actually pay her bills. And then she began, as Julie described, to dislike her hobby because it became something she had to do. And I don't remember exactly what her artistic pursuit was. I don't think it was fine arts. It was something else. But the moral of the story was, is that she believed that she had to be passionate in order to be successful. She didn't realize that you can be the best of the best and not have passion for what you're doing. And I want you guys to really internalize what I just said, because it's the truth. You can be the best real estate agent ever in your marketplace, let alone planet Earth, and not have passion for what you do. And matter of fact, I'll go as far as to suggest that you have a higher probability of becoming the best version of yourself as a real estate professional if you stop seeking passion in what you're doing. Because the passion is a fleeting, emotional spark of energy that if you're only working at the highest level, when you feel that spark of energy, you are never going to be working at the highest level. Always be wondering why you're not feeling it. And I'll tell you why. Because real estate is the very definition of a thankless job most of the time. Most of the time. By definition, how often do people say thank you? <laughs> That's thankless, right? right? And deals have gotten harder and more competitive and you know sometimes have a lot of conflict in them. But that's okay. We are letting you know today that it is okay if you don't feel passion about what you're doing. Certainly not all of the time. But your job is to feel passionate about the job you're doing and the results that you're getting that allow you to do other things in your life that maybe you do have more passion about. And because of your skill and your caring skill set, in order to get somebody from point A to point B with their real estate goals, that you are getting rewarded with this thing called your commission. Yeah. And that's the thing, guys. Think about this. This is the process. You learn to be a really, really good listing agent. You master how to be a proactive lead generator. You master how to pre-qualify. You master how to present. And you master how to negotiate. Everything else you can be so-so at. That is the bottom line. That's, that's the drilled down bottom line truth of once you master those skill sets in real estate, you'll be phenomenal. If you choose to form a team, if you choose to add assistance, buyers, agents, if you choose to do the social media and all the rest of it, that's a complete, that is optional. You don't have to do it once you've learned how to do those three or four things really well. And once you start generating consistent profit, you take the profit, you reinvest that profit into things that will make you passive income. Now, if you're an EXP agent, the opportunities at passive income are exponential. So many more than what a normal agent's going to be exposed to. And if you guys want to talk to Julie and I about joining us at EXP Realty and being part of our group at EXP, do feel free to text me directly at 512-758-0206, 512-758-0206. But the point of your real estate business is to be of service to other people and to create profit from having been of service to enough other people. And then with that profit, the point is to then buy real estate. That is your formula. You sell real estate at a high level to buy real estate at a high level so that one day you can be rich and free. 
That's right, which brings us, that is point number 11. Profit is your product. If you are running a nonprofit, that is not the same. Some of you are running nonprofits, you don't even know it because you don't do P&L statements, you don't really know what your real net is. This is also one of the aims of the real estate treasure map is to get you to really recognize your own financial picture. That way you can have realistic goals. And you mentioned the treasure map twice. And guys, you can get a free copy of the updated real estate treasure map by texting the word Harris, H-A-R-R-I-S, to 47372. Text the word Harris to 47372. That is your fill in the blank done for you, basically, except for the blank filling that you're going to have to do. Mm-hmm. Is that even... Is that? Is that a bad word, blank filling? I don't think so. To, to, and text uh, Harris to 47372. And when you do, we'll text you back a link to download your real estate treasure treasure map. That is your business plan. You can reuse it every year. 75% of it is explaining you how to do it. And the rest of it is you filling the blank and actually getting the work done. If you have not yet done so, do that urgently. Text the word Harris to 47372. So point number 12 is another thing that agents tend to fall into, especially after they get a bit of success and maybe they have some expendable income. I'll go as far as to say, Julie, that it's not when they have a bit of success. A lot of them fall prey to this immediately the second they they get their license. Right. That's true. Because they think they they have to do this Mickey Mouse. They think it's necessary. So what is the point? It's don't seek personal fame. Make the results that you get for your clients, your work product, make your work famous. If you had to choose to be famous or rich, which would you choose? Which would the 50-year-old or 60-year-old version of you would have chosen? Rich or famous or, you know, which is it? I did a clubhouse earlier this year and and it was amazing. There was a guy on there. I don't know his age, but I'm going to guess he was at least 60 or 70, maybe older. And we were having this very conversation and he was incredibly helpful. Just, it was emotional for me because I could, uh, frankly, I wish I'd somehow crossed paths with him you know, 40 years ago, and I could have saved him from the anguish that he was describing. So I asked the question. The question was, if you have to choose between being rich or famous, which would you choose? And the people that were in their 20s, um, they would choose fame. 30s, sometimes fame, but starting to realize the pursuit of fame is, you know, ridiculous. 40s, 50s, and older, then they all wish they would have chose to be rich because you cannot choose both. Because you're going to be suckered into spending money and buying fame. And with that money you spent to buy fame, you could have making, been making yourself rich by buying, for example, investment properties. You guys get it? So you cannot choose both. Choose one, to be rich and free or to be famous and broke. Now, some of you will be able to do both. I get it. But this is a psychological mindset question for all of you, and it'll help you based on your answer for you to direct your energy. So if your energy is going to be directed to try to be famous, you're going to spend money in the pursuit of recognition. You're going to spend money on social networking and TikTok and Facebook ads. You're going to do all the stuff to try to create this illusion that you're successful. Why don't you stop wasting your time and stop wasting your money and actually become successful? And with the success, you then can obviously sell a lot of houses, create a lot of profit, buy a lot of real estate and become rich and free. Isn't that a better formula for you to follow? Absolutely. And you know how that manifests is they'll say, you know, I've been working really hard on my social media or my this or my that, and I've gotten this many views or this many likes, whatever. And of course, coaches always know that we're the question to ask. Our well, coaches do. Our coaches do. Yeah. So, um, you know, how many appointments did you get from that? Uh, hell, how many actual sales did you have? Or even conversations. How much, how much money did you? Oh, Tim, I sold 10 houses last month. Okay. Well, what was your profit from those 10 houses? Well, let's see. That's a profit. I'm, I'm investing into the future. I'm rolling all my money from the business back into building my brand. Okay. Well, how long have you been doing that? 122 years. 
All right. So you can't stop. Why is it you're continuing to do it? At what point do you have this sort of illustrious brand that the clouds part and business just starts dropping in your lap? It doesn't work like that. Nope. You guys are being sold a lie. Not 100% of a lie, but enough of a lie. A distraction. That a vast majority of you should not be doing it. It, it, it is a it's distraction. optional. Okay. Number 13. And we have entire podcasts about this. Chapters in the book. <laughs> Follow a media-free life. Limit your emotional inputs. No media. Stay myopic. Stop looking for answers to questions that may never even need to be answered. Media-free means that you are limiting what goes into your eyes, what goes into your ears, what goes into your emotional psyche, especially anything that claims to be news. It's not news anymore. It's just some kind of you know, attempted entertainment. It's propaganda. It's propaganda. Yeah, it is. It's really propaganda. And, Go- and it really can be, I don't think that any of it really is what you would call positive. No. You know? Well, ask yourself, be introspective. After you've listened to something, like after you listen to this podcast, a lot of you listen to us every single day, how do you feel? How do you feel? You feel, I'm sure, at least I'd hope based on your feedback, you feel a sense of direction. You feel a sense of community. We hope that you're educated, motivated, and feeling like getting into action. That is our aim for you. You feel free because you know you can start saying no to, you know, you know, in K-N-O-W, you can start saying no, N-O, to a lot of the malarkey that hits your inbox. You can start saying, no, I don't need to buy leads. I can proactively lead generate. No, I don't need to join a team or form a team. My goal is to make profit. No, I don't need to worry about, you know, doing all the social networking stuff and I don't need to worry about how to make perfect videos. I now know what I'm supposed to do, how I'm supposed to do it. I have a sense of direction. That is what happens when you choose to be myopic and stay and follow one course until successful. That's called focus. Follow one course until successful. Yes. Now here's an interesting one that is, I think, kind of counterintuitive. And you call this the reality point. It's easier to move fast than slow and be ready for everything to take two to five times longer to work than you think it should be. But be patient and at the same time be relentless. So that that sounds a little counterintuitive. It's a back and forth, isn't it? I think it is easier to move fast than it is to move slow. The whole getting ready to get started to someday take action, if you possibly might think about it, and the sun shines and the river doesn't rise and (laughs) you know whatever other excuses you want to add, that will slow you down. It's easier to take action even if sometimes you make mistakes, even if sometimes you have to get clarity, you have to ask questions. Even if sometimes that, you know, cost you, you know, we made mistakes all the time in our first transactions and in, in our broker where you'd say, well, what did that cost you? And then we didn't make that mistake again. The problem with but going, we didn't not take action. The problem with going slow at anything is you never yes. build momentum. That's right. And you, you, you basically, what happens is you're in that constant state, as you said, getting ready to get started. Mm-hmm. And it's all this over contemplation, overthinking, over planning, over plotting, Waiting. over, over, exactly over and over and over again. And then you basically lost a whole generation of your life. Yeah. I remember we did a podcast a while ago that was all about waiting. Like, what are you waiting for? Mm-hmm. Waiting for the market to get better. You know, waiting for some closings, waiting. I mean, you can insert that in anything, waiting for somebody to call me back. How many times in Dorado, where we live in Puerto Rico, Mm -hmm. are you hearing people say, I'm waiting for the market to, to adjust down? Yes, all the time. And how many, are you guys saying that too? Like in your own markets? I'm not going to buy a rental property because I'm waiting for prices to drop. I'm waiting. I I hear that all the time. And so what is that really? It, it, okay, it's if, you, if you can't afford it, you can't afford it. So just say you can't afford it. Yeah. Okay. That's okay. Put yourself in a position where you can help more people. Where you can earn more money where you can afford it. Right. Yeah. That's the truth. But if you're waiting for what, what if this today is the, the bent, the low point of prices of all assets? What if every single home 
in your marketplace is going to be worth 10 or 20% more by this time next year? What if this time next year, you're going to be looking back and you're going to say, damn, I should have bought something, you know, at the end of last year when everything was on sale, even though in your mind, you thought everything was too expensive. When everyone you know is experiencing this inflation, right? Everyone, even we talked about Dan, the, the uh, internet man that comes yeah. out here and tries to fix our problems. Okay, so Dan was talking, if you recall, a few days ago about how grateful he is to have bought his 15 acres out here mm-hmm. for, I think he said, about 150 grand and how grateful he is that it has basically doubled recently. We're in Murphy, North Carolina. For those of you who are curious, this is where we're going to be spending the holidays. We are here hoping for snow and hoping to show Zoe snow for the first time, in case you didn't listen to the previous podcast this week. So that's what Julie's talking about. But yeah, but that's the point, though. Well, and so what if Dan had waited? He wouldn't probably have had in his budget to buy what he already lives in that he bought a couple years he ago. He said that. He did. But, but think about this. Our first house in Columbus, Ohio, yeah. that we bought when we were in our early 20s, mm-hmm. or our, you know, when we first got into real estate, yep. that house now, we what do we pay for it? 68? 71, 575. I, I remember, yeah. And what was the payment? <laughs> 550 a month. Okay. Because the interest rate was, here's a shocker, 7%. Yeah. And guess what? That was considered a really great deal. It was. So uh, that house now is worth 275 and Incredibly. And how yeah. many years ago was that? 25, 26 years? Yeah. Right. And so people right now, if you were to put that little bread box house for sale for 289.9, people would be jumping all over. Oh, it. yeah. It's, a, it's, the only, it's one of the only houses Julie and I ever sold. No house... We, I mean, we never, we sold another house after that and well, two other houses after that. Yeah. And I think about it, but we should have kept every single one of them. Absolutely. And so guys, that's the thing. The whole, the, the reality of it is, is don't that, wait. I mean, we got on this tangent because we're talking about what are you waiting for? Waiting does not pay. Well, a lot of them are saying we're going to wait for the market to adjust. We're, I'm not going to learn how to that. be a listing agent because I'm going to wait for the, the market to come to me. Oh, yes. And then they go back to our previous point. They jump on social media and they take a survey on Facebook. What do you think the market's going to do? And they have confirmation bias because some idiot posts that, oh, it's going to crash immediately because this is just like 2010. But even worse, Jules, yeah. on social media, because they were essentially on a certain podcast or a certain oh, a Facebook page and they liked something. Now Facebook says, well, this person obviously wants information about the real estate market crashing and they're going to start pumping you full of the same content to the point where you're actually going to believe it's going to happen. Mm -hmm. And then Julie and and you're going to go post about it. And then, right. And then Julie and I are going to cross paths with you as we are right now on this podcast. And we're going to say, you know, if you want ever increasing levels of success in your business and personal life, you have to do what you don't want to do when you don't want to do at the highest level. Now, Mr. Podcast listener, coaching client, what are the, you know, three things that you're not wanting to do the most that you know would have the most beneficial impact on your uh, on your business. And they're going to be all the proactive things that we teach you to do that will result in uh, you needing skills and might result in rejection. But if you believe the market's going to crash or correct, you're going to say, you know what? I am not going to put myself in the position to make myself uncomfortable, learn anything nope. that those goofball Harris's they're telling me, because after all the market's going to crash and I just wait around for the REOs to start pouring mm-hmm. on me. Yeah. Good luck with that. I mean, that's how people think, right? Isn't that how some of you are thinking? But what if this right now is the low point, not just for, you know, houses, but for groceries and for cars and for computers and clothes and everything. We're going through a generational uh, inflation cycle that I'm sure people are going to start using the word hyperinflation within the next 60 to 90 days. You guys watch, you know, real estate just to finish so. up the point on inflation. And we've done a whole bunch of podcasts on inflation, but at a great interview with Peter Schiff, I think it's got 60,000 views on YouTube now. 
But that interview, uh, we focused on inflation effect on real estate uh, over the next couple of years. But the real takeaway was, is during inflationary times, guys, guess what? Real estate is pretty much the best place to have your money. Yes. Right? So why aren't you buying it? What is it you do for a living? Wait a minute. Okay. So good time to get ready for tomorrow's show. We're going to roll out your 16-step massive action plan to take on the rest of this year and, of course, 2022. So get ready. Get your typing hands ready. Get your pencils and your ink ready because this will be a very, very specific step-by-step plan that we have taken this much time to ramp up, get you your mindset straightened out, and give you some rules to follow before you give you the actual 16 steps. You just said something. I was thinking about it. So you guys will notice that Julie and I very rarely focus on the woo-woo mindset points. And I'll tell you why. And that hasn't always been the case. The mindset stuff from our perspective, doing what we do for a living, is easy to talk about. It's fun to talk about because you guys cannot hold us accountable for what we're saying. That's why. Yeah. We are really good friends with Brandon Pritchard and his wife, Denise. They, li- they live near us in Dorado, Puerto Rico. They're our neighbors. And we see them almost every day. And we've gotten to know them. And, uh, you know, he's 100% mindset. It's a little bit practical, but it's mostly about, and it's, I'm not criticizing, I'm just making an observation. So if you go and you start consuming his content, it's not like what we're doing. We're telling you what to do. We're telling you how to do it. But as a result of that, if you do what we tell you to do and it doesn't work for you and you've done it exactly the way we've told you to do it, then you can hold us accountable for it not working, right? That's a different type of relationship than us trying to give you some sort of cerebral mental, me- mental masturbatory, you know, effort or, you know, assignment where it will or won't work. And you can always just blame, well, your mindset wasn't in the right way or you weren't turned into the right woo-woo fr- uh, frequency. You guys get the point? So what Julie and I have learned after tens of thousands of coaching calls, the mindset stuff is fun to talk about. It is easy to talk about, but it is also not practical and tactical it's and it is not, not pos- enough. It's not enough. It doesn't change your lives. It doesn't put food in your bellies and take, gives you money to buy Christmas presents and have a wonderful life. It doesn't do what it's supposed to do. That's the reason we don't waste a lot of time on it. What we do spend time on is practical, tactical, no BS information to put you in a position to help others and make money. That's what we're all about. And we appreciate the fact that you guys appreciate it. And how I know that is you guys are giving us a lot of great five-star review on iTunes. If you've not yet done so, that is your homework from today's podcast. Please give Julie and I a five-star review on uh, iTunes. We certainly appreciate uh, that. And you guys have a fantastic day. We'll talk to you on the show tomorrow. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.